Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's how to play Sip, Peel, Win at Duncan. Just sip, peel, win. I want a doormat. Look more closely. I want a dogmat? Put on your reading glasses. I want a donut. There you go. Enjoy a large or extra-large coffee for your chance to win from millions of prizes, like JetBlue travel certificates, Fandango movie tickets, or Fanatics gear. Just sip, peel, win at Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. No purchase necessary. 13 plus ends 10, 15, 18, or while supplies last. For game, peace, and official rules, visit sippeelwin.com. Honda believes you should expect more from your car. That's why the 2018 Civic LX sedan has more horsepower than a 2018 Sentra S. Here's a comparison. The Civic LX Sedan. Now the Sentra S. If you want more from your car, come into your local Honda dealer and test drive the 2018 Civic today. Hey everybody and welcome to this edition of stream on i'm jim williams your host now do you all missed the good old days when you could turn on the tv and watch a news network that just gave you the news well cbsn is that network it is a throwback to the days when ted turner owned cnn and they were all about news without primetime stars now cbsn gives you the news in a digital world so you can watch it on your phone you can watch it on your tablet watch it on your television and it's well worth checking out i assure you of that now vladimir dutier is one of the prime anchors at cbsn vlad is part of a great news team at cbs that is embracing the concept that if you give people quality journalism it really never goes out of style and it's also entertaining vlad tell us about what's going on at cbsn well, it's, it's very exciting, obviously, um, because as you point out rightly, uh, it's, it's a, a straight news channel where essentially we're delivering the news of the day. We don't do a lot of talking heads. We don't do a lot of pundits. Uh, generally, we rely on the reporting of CBS News correspondents or other hard news reporters to uh, deliver the news to our audience. And so um, it doesn't really change as far as who we are as a news organization because the reporting is... CBS News reporting, and the only difference is that we're able to do it on a 24-hour basis, more or less, um, uh, you know, uh, and the ability for us to deliver that news without having somebody, you know, somebody doesn't have to have a cable subscription. They can, mm-hmm. one of the things 
one of the fun things that I like to do um, with people is when I'm at a restaurant or at a wedding or something and people say, oh, so what's CBSN? And I just pull out my smartphone and I push open, you know, I open up the, uh, the CBS News app and mm-hmm. it just starts streaming immediately on the phone. There's no sign-in. There's no mm-hmm. login. Um, and people are usually very impressed by that. And the quality of it, of the stream, is fantastic just on a technical basis. I've been able to stream it for friends in, in Europe and, um, you know, in Asia. So it, it is kind of interesting to be able to do that. And people are just shocked that the news is so readily, readily available at their fingertips um, with really just the push of an app button. You know, and to your point, I found uh, I watch you on on again like you the smartphone sometimes the tablet, but a lot of times uh, via Roku on streaming um, on a streaming device. And um, I will tell you that uh, without question, you're absolutely right. the The stream is always quality. There's no buffering on it, and uh, you really get a very very good solid picture, um, yeah, which is you know important. How my parents watch. They watch it on Apple TV, um, and mm-hmm. another they have it on their Roku. Uh, my brother has it on his gaming platform, uh, mm-hmm. and so there's a variety of ways that you know viewers can access CBSN. And again, you know what I've always stressed is, you know, when we talk about broadcast journalism, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say, you, you know, you've been in the industry for many years. It's fair to say that CBS mm-hmm. News invented modern broadcast journalism. You know, we sent over a young producer to London in the early 30s, and Mm -hmm. he was there to produce classical music concerts, and all of a sudden he realized the winds of war were blowing, and he Mm -hmm. started to conduct interviews, and he started to deliver reports. Of course, that young correspondent slash producer was Edward R. Murrow, and Mm -hmm. we, CBS News, became the major player in the modern medium of the time, which was radio, and mm-hmm. then, of course, with the launch of television, uh, became the the leading news broadcast with the CBS Evening News. Um, and now this is just another evolution of our journalism on a different platform. But what remains the same is what it was back in 1936, which is news that uh, matters to people, news that is delivered with integrity, with transparency, and with accountability. That hasn't changed. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that you brought up is that CBS has been the gold standard for broadcast news for many, many years. And uh, it must be exciting for you as one of the young guns at the network to be involved in every aspect of that, from the morning show to the CBS Evening News, and, and now, of course, to the broadcast platform we're talking about, which is CBSN. You are involved in all aspects of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I appreciate you calling me a young gun. That's uh, that's really good. Uh, and um, yeah, it, it is. I mean, I, look, I grew up watching CBS News. I mean, my very first, I was a news junkie uh, when I was a kid. My parents, you know, are immigrants to this country. And, you know, they weren't really interested in sort of what they call junk TV, um, which is just, you know, sort of scripted television. They only cared about what was happening uh, either through the newspapers or through uh broadcast journalism. And so uh, from a very young age, I'm talking, you know, when I was seven or eight, nine years old, we would watch, you know, 60 Minutes for sure. And of course, when the mm-hmm. Iranian crisis happened in 1979, and Ted Koppel started delivering those Nightline reports, that's mm-hmm. sort of when I became very hooked onto broadcast journalism. And I, be- I, was, I was an avid, well, I am an avid watcher of 60 Minutes and have been for almost all of my life. And so um, when the opportunity came to uh, jump ship from CNN, uh, which was also, which is a great news organization. Uh, mm-hmm. 
it was really kind of a dream come true. And I, and I do sort of pinch myself every single day of the opportunities that I've been afforded here at CBS. As you point out, um, not only being a part of CBSN, which is a lot of fun, but uh, you know, filing reports for the evening news and for mm-hmm. CBS This Morning and for 48 Hours and for CBS Sunday Morning. I mean, these are shows that are sort of iconic. And every time, I still, have, I still get you know, stars in my eyes when I, I run into Jane Pauley. Or when I see mm-hmm. Scott, or when I see Steve Croft, or Jeff Fager, or you know anybody, even my colleagues that are closer in age to myself, Michelle Miller, um, mm-hmm. and Keanu, I, I'm very just sort of honored and blessed, I think, to be able to uh, work with the people here at this organization that has so influenced my life and my and my way of of understanding the way the medium works, and also you know the kind of journalism that I think is important. One of the things I think is impressive from CBS's standpoint, not just on CBSN, but throughout the uh, entire CBS News organization, is you've got a very deep bench of very talented young people that are very good at, at reporting and doing it in a succinct and and fast-paced basis, which I think is why CBSN has garnered a larger portion, say, of the um, 18 to 25 or 18 to 35 market than any of the other networks? You know, you know I, I can't speak for other news organizations, but I do know that when this uh, enterprise, when this endeavor was launched, there was never a question as to whether or not it would be staffed with people who were maybe trying to break into the business or young people mm-hmm. who were looking for a shot at an on-air career, and this was a step to that. It was never intended to be that. It was always intended mm-hmm. to be staffed and uh, the journalism in, uh, behind it was going to be reported by CBS News correspondents. So um, mm-hmm. all of us, myself, Elaine Keanu, Rena Ninen, uh, Anne-Marie Green, um, we are CBS News correspondents first and foremost, and the folks that report on the platform on CBSN are CBS News correspondents. So we don't have a CBSN correspondent. When we need news out of the White House, we go to Major Garrett or Margaret Brennan. When we need news... Sure. Uh, from our national security team, we go to Jeff Begay's. When um, it's a story that if, if you know Gail King has interviewed Bruno Mars and she wants mm-hmm. to come on about that, Gail King comes on to CBSN. And I think that's really important. I think often there's a sense that if we're going to do something that is made perhaps targeted to a, a younger demographic, that we need to get people that are similar to the demographic that we're going after. And while that's true at some level, um, it can't work if you don't have the journalism chops behind it. And so I think that that perhaps is what distinguishes this platform from others who might attempt to do something similar. Um, perhaps I misspoke in the way I put, I put that to you. What I meant to say, Bilad, was that I'm impressed with the depth of talent that you have that is, you know, a younger group of, uh, of broadcasters. Um, not that, you know, that CBSN had just young broadcasters. You have a uh, CBS seems to have a very deep and very uh, long bench when it comes to the the talent that you have, um, both in front of the camera and clearly behind the camera. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive even for me <laughs> whenever I get to interact with these folks. Um, and uh, it's just sort of a credit to, to you know, David Rhodes, our president, who, sort mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, when I think he was thinking about this, um, you know, that was that was partly – the intention. I mean, um, in, in addition to a whole bunch of other things, but I think that that was something certainly that uh, he was aware of, and that he wanted to put up front and center. 
with so many opportunities we have at this point to get news from such, you know, so many different sources, do you think that we're actually pushing now into what um, we will later find out to be the golden age of television uh, news? Because, I mean, it's literally in your pocket, as we just talked about. Um, you know, you can go on live anywhere at any time to do whatever is necessary to cover whatever story. So do you mean if the if if we if if when you say the golden age of television, meaning that it's uh, that it, that we're going past it? Is that what you mean? Or no, I, I guess um, what I mean in that regard is that it's now an opportunity. You know, no news oper- operations. You know, in in recent years, as we moved into this this space, had the opportunity to literally go on and and reach your end user, meaning your um, the person consuming the news, which we already said, you could do it on your smartphone, you can do it on you know a tablet, you can do it on the computer. Rather than waiting to get home and see it on TV, you now um, are ending what I was saying was the golden age of television in so much as you can reach your audience faster than any time in history before. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and sort of there are two tracks here, right? Certainly we have a robust television broadcast audience mm-hmm. that we, we cater to at CBS and um, everybody right. else does as well. Um, and you don't want to alienate those in, individuals because uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're a major significant part of, of mm-hmm. our viewership. On the other hand, there is, I think there was a missed opportunity because I have, for example, I have a brother who's in his early 30s. He doesn't mm-hmm. watch television anymore. He's not home at 6.30 to watch mm-hmm. these news, uh, but he is a news junkie. He's a teacher, and so mm-hmm. he is able to get his news at any time of the day that he wants, whenever mm-hmm. he wants it, um, by just logging onto his smartphone and you know punching up the CBS News app. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that that's sort of the idea here is, which is that, you know, I'll give you a, a sort of an anecdote. I was um, mm-hmm. walking on the west side of Manhattan a couple of months ago, and uh, an older couple stopped me on 72nd and Broadway and said mm-hmm. to me, uh, and I don't get recognized a lot. I'm not like some star or anything, but occasionally, you know, somebody will say, oh, you know, I've watched you on CBS. And this older couple stopped me and they said, you know, you're, you're Vlad, right, from CBS, and we watch you on CBS this morning all, you know, all the time. Whenever you mm-hmm. follow, whenever you fill in, we watch you on CTM, and we, you know, we always, you know, email the show, and we say, we, you know, we like Vlad, and I thought that was very cute, and mm-hmm. I thanked them very much for watching CBS this morning, and they were in their 70s at least, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I thought that's kind of cool. I got recognized. You know, it doesn't really happen to me often, and I literally walked across the street and went into a restaurant, um, and I sat at the bar, and mm-hmm. the bartender came over, and she was in her early 20s, and she said to me, aren't you Vlad from CBS News? And I said, wow, that's, that really never happens that I get recognized <laughs> you know, by two folks um, back to back. And I right. said, you know, I met another couple who said that they watched me on CBS this morning. And she said, what's CBS this morning? And I said, uh, you know, the show on Channel 2, the morning show, that she goes, oh, I don't have a TV. I just know you from CBSN. And I just thought to myself, well, there you go. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we're after here. We, we've got people who clearly you know, enjoy the morning show and the evening news and who have been longtime viewers of those broadcasts. Um, and we are able to, you know, cater to them. And there here you have somebody who just got out of college who's got her, had her first job in New York and is a struggling mm-hmm. actor and she watches 
CDSA. Um, and I think that that was kind of a cool story. Yeah, it is. I mean, you've come full circle. You got the 70 year old who watches traditionally on the linear platform and you've got the, you know, just out of college who, you know, watches just like you had said, either via on their game uh, source or, you know, stream it on their television or whatever, but they know you from CBSN. So yeah, that's the best of all world. Yeah, um, cool. Absolutely. Um, what do you think, uh, since you've been in the business, has been one of the most uh, amazing things that, um, from a technological standpoint, that you've seen in this business since you've, uh, you know, been at CNN and now at CBS? Good question. Uh, well, certainly, I think the ability to, you know, the news is available at mm -hmm. all of the day. And that also means you can get quality news, which is what CBS News represents and other mm -hmm. um, organizations. Um, but you can also get a lot of things that are not good. And, you know, they're, they're just not accurate or mm -hmm. that have an agenda or that are just plain, you know, irresponsible. And we've seen that with the rise of, you know, news that's available on social media platforms, for example. And so what's become harder, I think, for consumers of news is to differentiate between quality journalism and shoddy journalism. And I think that that's just, uh, that's part of the growing pains I think that, that the news is going through right now. I mean, a couple of years ago, journalism was considered dead, right? I mean, even when mm -hmm. I left, you know, I spent 20 years in another industry before I decided to become a reporter. And mm -hmm. I remember when I walked into my boss's office um, in the financial uh, uh, organization that I worked for, and I mm -hmm. told him I wanted to be a reporter. He, you know, he was a Wall Street guy. He was an he was an analyst. He said to me, you know, media is dead. Journalism is dead. There's no growth in that industry, right? Well, we know that that's not true. Um, if anything, journalism and the platforms have exploded over the last mm -hmm. five years. But the problem, I think, or the challenge, not necessarily a problem, but the challenge for consumers of news is that there are so many different platforms and so many different venues by which you can receive the news that sometimes it's very difficult for a consumer to know what's accurate. Uh, I personally was shocked, and I'm not that old, but I was shocked to mm -hmm. know um, that people get the majority of their news, for example, from social media. That mm -hmm. even in and age where I have everything at my fingertips here at CBS, I can access all sorts of sources to um, get myself up to speed on what's going on in the world. I never, ever click on anything in social media, especially Facebook. I mean, I, I will right. see stuff that friends of mine post, um, and if I see that, they, you know, there's a link from the New York Times or the Washington Post or CBS mm -hmm. or something, I'll, you know, perhaps I'll click on that. But if I don't recognize where that story is coming from, I rarely click on it. Meanwhile, though, everybody that I talk to, including my own family, says that's where they get most of their news, and it's not always from those sources that I just mentioned. So I think that that's a, that's a challenge for the, the news business as a whole um, and for those of us who deliver the news. And you don't want to tiss, tiss people and say, well, you should go here, not there. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there really needs to be an understanding from perhaps the, uh, the the uh, folks who run these social media organizations that, you know, they're not just a place where people gather and talk about, you know, what their grandkids are up to. This is the, these platforms have become powerful enough that they can, you know, influence the way people think about the world around them. And, and certainly that represents a challenge. Well, that was the whole, you know, gestalt of the, um, of the whole uh, attempt of the Russians to get involved with, um, 
with the election. I mean, there was a lot of posting of stories that uh, on Facebook that you know were blatant, uh, you know, falsehoods. I mean, there there's a lot of stuff on Facebook that if you want to stay in your particular political lane, then you you can find it there. Whether it's true or not, that's another aspect. But um, you know, that is a challenge of all social media is to find out you know, what is just noise and what is real? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it certainly represents a challenge. And I think uh, that that's probably another shift in the new, in, in the industry, right? That mm-hmm. before, the you know, 20 years ago, and look, some people will say it's a good thing that, you know, you that there are more options for people when it comes to getting the news. You don't have just the big three networks and, you know, two papers of record or three papers of record, right. you know. But, but uh, you know, on the other hand, like I said, I think the, 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 the challenge is for people who really only want their own views or their own agendas parroted back to them, there are places where you can go for that. And many times, oftentimes, what's presented on those platforms are they look very similar to what a legitimate news organization might look like or what a legitimate news article or television report might look like, television package, but they're not. And it's hard for people to differentiate the two. And, I, you know, I, I spent a couple of years in, in, in West Africa covering the region for CNN. And, mm-hmm. you know, the things that, you know, in, in, in Nigeria, there's a thing called, you know, brown bag journalism, right? And brown bag mm-hmm. journalism is where you go to a uh, defense ministry briefing about the, the war on terror that Nigeria is conducting uh, against Boko Haram, the jihadist terrorist group, mm-hmm. and the minister of defense delivers the briefing the way you would expect any minister to deliver a briefing. And at the end of the briefing, there's a table with brown paper bags or brown bags or whatever they happen to be using, and that's usually stuffed with cash and other incentives. And, um, and you know, of course, at, at CNN and other legitimate news organizations, mm-hmm. you know, never take those, 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 those things, but most Nigerian journalists do. And in exchange for receiving whatever's in that brown bag, they then write a very favorable, um, you know, report in their respective news or, or newspapers or news organizations or television organizations. And um, that's just the standard. I mean, that's just literally how, you know, Oftentimes, things work in other countries where we don't have the standards that we have here in the United States, and of course, uh, they don't have the protections that reporters um, and the media uh, are afforded under the Constitution of the United States. So, um, you know, we're sort of dipping into a situation like that where you see that there are news organizations that pass themselves off as news organizations, but really, in fact, are involved in in delivering propaganda. And so, um, it's hard for the consumer to know which is which. Yeah, absolutely. I can tell you that um, the first time I filed a story on um, via computer where I had no editor, the, basically the editor said, you know, fine, whatever, whenever you're ready to do it, just file it. It took me 10 minutes to get to the point where I could physically do it because I'm thinking, is everything I wrote in here right? right. <clears throat> and if it's not, the moment I hit, you know, publish it's published and it's gone and i will never see it again um you know and that power of of the you know the educational background of getting it right is more important than getting it first um 
that's where what scares me from a journalistic standpoint is now we have people who literally create news, put it out there, package it, and there's not a single scintilla of truth in any of it. Yeah, I mean, when I was in journalism school, um, uh, Richard Wald, who is a, you know, a, a sort of a lion of journalism, sure. who was in the ABC News, he was uh, my professor for an ethics class in journalism. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that he said, you know, I think the challenge was it, to the class was how do you define what is journalism and what is not, or who is mm -hmm. a journalist who is not. And I think one of the agreed upon, it's not the only, but one of the agreed mm -hmm. upon measures was, well, do you have an editor? And right. if you have an editor, then at the very least, there is somebody looking over your work and mm -hmm. applying some kind of journalistic rigor to it. And mm -hmm. if you don't, then, you know, it's, it's perhaps not the, it's not the same thing. And, um, and I, that sort of stayed with me. And so, you know, throughout my career, uh, I've always had a very healthy relationship with either my editors or my producers mm -hmm. because I think that they're integral to the delivery of the news. And I never write a script or uh, even when I'm on the air on CBSN mm -hmm. and, you know, we're asked to sort of, you know, we're asked to, to vamp a little around a particular subject as we await for somebody to appear on camera or, or something. Um, there's always a very healthy and robust discussion with our control room, our producers, about what we're saying and what we should say, what we shouldn't say. Um, and, and I think that's just important. And I don't know, that's why, you know, and people make mistakes and people misspeak. That sure. happens all the time. But the reality is that, you know, the idea of just getting it out there because you want to be first, I think that that's no longer, um, I, I think people, at least certainly here, I remember Scott Pelley telling me that, you know, when he mm -hmm. was the manager of the Evening News, that he would always prefer to be right as opposed to being first. And I think that that's something that we all here at CBS, um, you know, um, adhere to. So what's, um, what's next for CBSN? Give me some of the things that you look forward to as that uh, platform grows. Well, I mean, one of the things that's been exciting about CBSN is that we've been able to, in addition to obviously offering the news, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, after CBS this morning is is over and in between the broadcast of the CBS Evening News, um, we are on the air. And so we've been able to do a lot of deep dives into particular subjects. So we've mm -hmm. had a lot of success with our, uh, our documentary series, which we call CBSN uh, Originals. And we also had a primetime documentary series called CBSN on Assignment, um, which did very well. And these are sort of longer form pieces that allow us to um, explore a topic or subject or something that's happening in this country or outside of this country um, and, and sort of give our viewers and our audience a, a better understanding of the issues that matter to them. And so, for example, uh, in the early, uh, when we first launched the CBSN Originals, um, in the wake of the attacks in Paris, the terrorist attacks in Paris mm -hmm. in 2015, um, I went back to France. France is sort of, I consider Paris sort of my hometown. I, I spent mm -hmm. a third of my life there. And so I went back to Paris. Um, we were doing, we spent a couple of days doing, you know, reporting for the live broadcast of both CBSN and um, the evening news and CBS this morning. But then mm -hmm. once my assignment for the broadcast division was over, we spent another 10 days or so um, exploring the neighborhoods uh, in Brussels and in Paris that, you know, have have been long regarded as the sort of the, um, the the birthplace of some of this radical jihadism that has come mm -hmm. out of 
um, you know, uh, people that were actually born in Europe and not outside of, of the West. And so we were able to spend about 10 days doing that and then deliver a, you know, 20-minute documentary, which then we added another 35 minutes or so of discussion with, mm -hmm. you know, folks that are very well versed in the subject from national security analysts to other reporters who've covered the region and the subject and do an hour-long special on mm -hmm. the, the, the rise of Islamic jihadism in, in Europe. And so, um, and so and we've continued to do those. I mean, we, mm -hmm. I, to, I was in Asia to look at the threat from North Korea. Um, we've had reporters that have gone to um, Russia to see what the threat uh, to reporters and journalists uh, are in, in the former Soviet Union. Um, and so, yeah, and, and, and sort, sort, certainly close to me, to, to my heart, um, in addition to the reporting that I did in France and Brussels, was the reporting that we did in Haiti. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I was in Haiti to cover the hurricane, Hurricane Matthew, in October of 2015. That was devastated the island. Um, sure. And I did that for CBS This Morning and Evening News. And once that coverage was over, I spent another week digging into, for example, the Red Cross and what they've been able to accomplish, or more importantly, what they haven't been able to accomplish um, in Haiti since the 2010 earthquake. Um, and, and, you know, we spent a lot of time, you know, talking to individuals and talking to people that the Red Cross said that they were helping, and we came away with a really, really powerful report uh, that I think, you know, opened up a lot of people's eyes. Um, we did a report on the uh, automakers that have, you know, factories in the United States where they're employing foreign workers. This is an administration, the Trump administration, that's touted the America First ideal. Um, yeah. And here you've got these uh, automobile makers um, employing outside labor from foreign countries, from mostly from Eastern Europe. So not only did we go to those plants in the U.S., we followed the trail to uh, Central Europe to talk to folks who were individuals who had been coming across to the United States to work in these plants and to understand why they were doing it and what their struggles were and what the challenges were for these automakers. And, um, that, you know, that, that got news because next thing we know, after the report aired, uh, the CBSN on assignment, uh, we saw changes from Mercedes. Mercedes mm -hmm. was one of the automobile companies that was named in this report. And they came out and said, you know, based on the reporting that we did, they're going to be implementing some changes in their policy. So, um, so we were really, really proud of that. Well, Vlad, I'll tell you, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, and I know that people are going to continue to watch you uh, on CBSN and, of course, on um, the mothership of CBS and all the other uh, evening news, the morning news, and uh, Sunday morning where you uh, file out great reports, and, and we really appreciate you taking the time. And give us uh, your social media where we can find you. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter, and the both handles are at Vlad Dutier CBS. So at V L A D D U T H I E R S CBS. I have a Facebook page. Um, I'm you know occasionally on Snapchat, although I I seem to have moved off of that uh, as I post more and more to Instagram Stories. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean it's it, I, I you look I think social media. If you look at the work that, for example, David Begno, one of our correspondents, has done. Mm -hmm. um, uh, covering the hurricane and the after effects in Puerto Rico, uh, you, you know, that's just another complement to what we're talking about here, right? Which mm -hmm. is CBSN is, is a way for people to access the reporting and the journalism of CBS News 24-7. And then in addition to that, there are these ways that we can file stories on our own through the use of social media. 
Um, and, and that's also been sort of exciting. And some people are better at it than others, and I know it's a challenge for people. I think one of the hardest and kind of one of the interesting things about watching the rise of social media and the rise of, the rise of streaming is certainly for correspondents who have been used to doing something a certain way for so many years, mm -hmm. it's a challenge. If all of a sudden you say to someone, yeah, in addition to writing a script for the evening news or for filing on CBSN, you now also have to do a Facebook Live. Or you mm -hmm. have to do a, an Instagram story. And I think that you could see maybe two or three years ago people saying, well, I don't do that. That's not what I do. I do, you know, I do serious journalism that, you know, is then broadcast on, on national t television. And I think now everybody has come to understand the power of social media and the power of being able to receive a news report um, through your telephone, through your iPad, or through you know your Android device, sure. and it certainly has changed. I think the way that even old school reporters do the news. So I, I you know I, I sort of you know kind of think to myself that back in the day you, there was certainly a struggle when when you when the advent of television happened. You can bet your bottom dollar that there were radio reporters who said this is a perversion of what we do in the mm -hmm. news business. Right? We don't do this TV, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. We do radio. And, and you know, there was certainly, a, 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 I'm sure, a give and take back in the late 40s, early 50s when television became the primary platform for, for news. And, and I think you saw that a few years ago as, you know, streaming and social media became mm -hmm. a significant platform. There were people that said, you know, never, never, never will I do this. And now everybody from, you know, Tom Brokaw to Christian Amanpour to, you know, mm -hmm. younger David Begno and myself, you know, use these tools and are pretty, you know, uh, adept at doing that. And I think that that's a welcome change. Vlad, let's talk a little bit about how digital has blossomed in the last four or five years. I, I know one of your colleagues benefited by it because uh, of hosting one of the debates. Yeah, I, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about the fact that, you know, maybe 10 years ago or even five years ago, uh, journalists from from the old school might have sort of turned their noses up at delivering news through streaming or through social media mm -hmm. and how that paradigm has shifted in, in the last couple of years. Um, and I think nowhere was it more evident when uh, our own Elaine Keanu, who's an anchor uh, at CBSN, who anchors our red and blue political show, but is mm -hmm. also a correspondent, um, Elaine was picked to be a moderator for the vice presidential debate. Now, in the annals of presidential and vice presidential debates, usually the individuals that are selected are folks that are known because they come into your living room every single day on your TV screens, right? I mean, the Bob Sheepers who have done mm -hmm. it, Anderson Coopers, but but here was the you know the, the 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 RNC and the DNC saying, look, we know who Elaine Keanu is, we know what CBSN is, we know her show Red and Blue. And she is an integral part of the political and the journalism landscape. And so, you know, in an era where more and more people are being turned off by the political process, clearly the audience that CBSN is reaching, which is, you know, an average age of, you know, 38 or 39 years old, we want to mm -hmm. be able to tap into that. Let's tap a lane to be the moderator. All of us here. You know, I would say that, you know, I could be wrong, but I think everybody was shocked, you know, that Elaine was picked. Not because Elaine didn't deserve it and because Elaine was not qualified. Right. She absolutely is. But because all of a sudden it said, wait, the world is waking up to what we've always known for the last three years or so, which is that this is the future of broadcast journalism. And 
these political parties uh, also recognize it. So it was really, um, it, I sort of think it did represent a seismic shift in the perception of, of digital journalism. Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of Stream On. And if you're not yet a subscriber, it is very easy to do, okay? Just go to the iTunes store, Google Play. You can get us on Blog Talk Radio. Or if you have the Stitcher app on your phone, well, all you have to do is search us right there, Stream On with Jim Williams, and poof, it goes right into your cell phone, okay? Now, if you're like me and you're one of the 125 million people who have downloaded the TuneIn app to either your phone or your tablet or both, all you have to do again, search Stream On with Jim Williams, hit the favorite button, and every week you'll get a new edition of the show, okay? So we make it very simple. Please take the time and subscribe today. You'll be happy that you did. Special thanks to Vlad Dutier of CBSN for giving us a 411 on what is going on with that ever growing digital network be sure to take the time to check out cbsn okay well until next week i'm jim williams your host of stream on have a wonderful weekend this fall you can go from new york to new pals on a disney cruise Board, New York. <laughs> a magical vacation to Bermuda, Canada, or the Bahamas just got a lot closer. Disney Cruise Line. Sailing from New York this fall. Click the banner now for more magic. Here's how to play Sip, Peel, Win at Dunkin'. Just sip, peel, win. I want a doormat. Look more closely. I want a dogmat? Put on your reading glasses. I want a donut. There you go. Enjoy a large or extra large coffee for your chance to win from millions of prizes like JetBlue travel certificates, Fandango movie tickets, or Fanatics gear. Just sip, peel, win at Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. No purchase necessary. 13 plus ends 10, 15, 18 or while supplies last. For game, peace, and official rules, visit sippeelwin.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.